Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. But for lead gen, this is a hot topic of, of conversation. See, performance max is so powerful that if you tell it to do something, if you say, hey, find me 5,000 people who, who will fill out this form, it will do that. But it will vacuum the internet to find anybody who will fill out that form. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. We're getting into the weeds here. And I think like this is the kind of stuff that if you're not excited about this as a marketer, like, yeah, there could be the gloom and doom of what Cosm's saying. Like, nobody's paying attention to what we're saying here anyway. So we're just going to keep repeating ourselves. Like, you got to get on the train now because, like, now, like, make hay when the sun shines. And I remember it was the same thing in 2013. Y'all, we're 24 months ahead of the curve. At least, right, John? Would you say that more? Absolutely. Oh, people are just still figuring out what smart shopping is, and that goes away next month. We're, we're definitely way ahead that's, of the curve. That's yeah. crazy to think about. So. We're going to get into more details here, a placement insights, insights tab, like all this cool stuff, like where Performance Max doesn't work. We're going to get into all that just right after this quick commercial break. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me, and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. All right, welcome back to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. We're here with Nick Miller and John Moran. We're talking Google Performance Max. Uh, one of the really 
super interesting parts of all this is that you start running campaigns on Google Performance Max, and then all of a sudden, this little tab, I think, appears out of nowhere called the Insights tab. Tell us a little bit about that, you guys, and like how you've been able to leverage that and maybe some examples as to how ninja this actually really is. Sure. So Insights is really helpful. It was actually available in smart shopping. You just couldn't do anything with it. So it was, it was great to see. Right. Now you can actually... <laughs> That's helpful, Google. You can actually do something with it. So it's an index and it will show you. Carson mentioned that their client who had the shelf-stable food, they found out that the, the boating audience, I think it was, was buying a lot of the products. Now it will tell you what percentage of your conversions are coming from a particular audience? And then it'll give you a percentage of that audience as part of the general population. So we have an e-com uh, brand who sells surfboards, and they were targeting their customer list with Performance Max. And we saw the Audience Insights tab, and it said, okay, 60% of your conversions are coming from water sports enthusiasts which is a very, very broad audience and not one that you would immediately relate specifically to surface. But it said, okay, these, the people in this audience are 14.4 times more likely to convert than people from the, the general population. So he duplicated the asset group, added that as an audience signal. Three days later, that asset group was at a 6x ROAS, where the original asset group was around a 3.5. So, and that that was a not retargeting for their brand name, though. No, no, right? no, no. Going it, out and finding new customers. Exactly. Yeah that that audience insights. I, I believe Carson, you created a video for uh, Solutions at YouTube channel where you call it Google spoon feeding the audience to use, and it's so true. Uh, it's it's so true. I mean, with Facebook, we would go into audience insights. And we'd look at, okay, can we look at these tangential audiences based on interests? Maybe that we think they're, this, this audience might be interested in our products. Now, Google's actually telling us with data, it's not like, hey, we think if you target this audience, it's going to perform really well. It's actually showing, no, people in this audience are converting at this many times more than the people you're already targeting. It's one of my favorite YouTube thumbnails, too, and he's being spoon-fed. That and the head blowing up. What's gross about that thumbnail? There's there's people on the spoon. I don't know if you noticed <laughs> oh, no. that. It's like a new, it's really bad. Go look at the YouTube channel. It's it's, it's kind of grotesque. Second only to the your head blowing up because I don't have to see that you know those beautiful locks of hair it makes me feel like you know, we're sort of on the same same level. <laughs> yeah, but no. So I mean, this is this is really big. So if, if you're a Facebook advertiser, you remember Audience Insights and. Nick started as a Facebook advertiser. So we've got a lot of Facebook advertisers that listen to the show here. And people are like, yeah, Facebook has that too. What would you say to that, Nick? Well, yes, yes, it does have audience targeting, but to actually show the data in, in the way that says, this is not what we think is going to happen. This is what's actually happen, happening with the people in this audience. So this is how they're converting. So. It would be a really good idea if you want to make more money. Uh, you should you should target this audience. <laughs> yeah, these are the, huge insights, and like that's one of the big things about this whole thing is yes, you are letting go of control to a certain degree. We're talking 
people first, objective based, like here's your goal, which is something I don't think we really talked about. Like for the first time ever, right, when you go into Google Performance Max, it's like, what's your goal? Like, what do you want? Uh, I mean, this is kind of, it's not like, oh, which placement do you want to be on? And then like, yeah, your goal, like, we'll figure that out later. No, yeah. it's goal first. And you have to have a which, goal. You have to optimize yes. for either ROAS or conversions. Yeah. Yep. I think the insights tab too, there's, there's two things to think about in the insights tab is the audience segmentation, which is what they call that, like how that audience insights tab from Facebook, the audience segmentation, there's three different types that people have to be very careful about. There's in market, there's detailed demographics, and there's affinity. And these are all going to show up in your conversions for different reasons. So for example, a person that's in the market for something as Google has deemed a high amount of activity recently, usually 14 to 21 days back about a specific about a specific audience. So people who right now, as an example, there's an in-market audience that show up in my insights tab very frequently for Mother's Day shopping. That's because everybody that bought, let's just say a can opener on this e-commerce store had the insights tab of saying, hey, 70.8% of those share of conversions came from Mother's Day shoppers. Now, that's not who you would say, wow, people that are interested in Mother's Day shopping would always buy can openers. That's incorrect. So you don't want to make your segmentation based off of possible overlaps of what people are just doing in their day-to-day lives. And I think that's something to be very careful about. Affinity audiences are people that have a permanent fixture about themselves to this. So for example, example, you know, dog lovers, that's an affinity audience. That is an audience that constantly is, is looking and researching and developing. They might own a pet store and they're a dog lover. Now, that doesn't also mean that they're going to buy the can opener. It just means that, hey, if there's a person who's a dog lover that also needed a can opener that day. And so I think that that's something to be very careful about is you have to make sure that the audience segment that you're going to market is relevant for the right reason, not just that it was something that overlapped that day. And the other thing to think about is when you're looking at the search category that's, that shows up all the time in the Insights tab, that's one of the permanent fixtures of the Insights tab. It's called Search Category. That is the DSA portion, dynamic search ad portion of Performance Max that is actually showing up in the Insights tab. So when you look at Insights, it says, hey, people that are on search, search this search category, not keyword, search category, let's say can opener. But there's also when you open it up and you dive a little deeper, there's 548 different search terms that show up for the search quote unquote category of can opener. And that is a broad keyword targeting. That's what that's doing. It says, hey, if if you were to target this broad keyword of can opener and you left it broad and Google's pushing broad keywords now, not phrase, not exact match, but a broad keyword match type, which means it can pretty much generally go after anything can, can opener-esque related. The search category is only related to the DSA portion of your performance max, but you can also leverage that with another standard search campaign in addition to your performance max and leverage that good audience by dedicating a budget to it and growing it that way. So the inside tab isn't necessarily, hey, here's how to make your performance max campaign better. It's also saying, here's what is currently happening, how you can optimize your performance max campaign by adding in new assets to either a a new audience signal. But you can also start other campaign types alongside of performance max to double down on what you see already working in the DSA campaign portion of performance max so it's a really 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 valuable tool and in the past search like people have to get their 
kind of wrap their heads around this a bit. If you've been a Google advertiser and, you know, we started off as a Google pay-per-click agency and then SEO and then over to social and, you know, added Google in two, three years ago. The point is, is like, you have to think about what this means now. Like when you're talking about search category, you're not talking about, I always think, exact phrase broad match that is search terms i'm going in and i am searching for hand opener or if you know i have exact match and you've got an exact match phrase for can opener not can openers i might if i actually win the auction show up a one two three you know for that specific search term if i say you know easy to use can openers and all i'm bidding on is can opener i won't get in the auction for that. Like that's old school Google thinking. Now what we're doing is we're taking this and we're creating audiences around the intent of what that word means. And like when your ad shows, it might show in a search ad, but it also might know that you searched for that in the last 14 days and then show it to you over on Google or on display or on Gmail. Like that's the big shift here that I think people are having a hard time with just to sort of take a step back. Because when you think about that, and yeah, we started to see all those tools being less and less effective, you know, when you guys are sort of like, what the hell are they doing here? And then all of a sudden, Performance Max came out, like, now we understand why. So they've taken all these data points on every human on the planet and figured out who is, you know, who has an affinity towards this thing. And it's not like a guess. It's based on 70 plus million data points in order to find the audiences when you're going out and trying to acquire new customers. Is that an effective, like, an, a, you know, an accurate summary of like how do people sort of think about Google now as opposed to maybe a year ago or two years ago? Absolutely. It's, it's, it's flipped the paradigm on everybody rather than, rather than Google saying, hey, who do you want to target? Google says, give me your site and here's who the people, here's the people who are buying from you or, or generating themselves as a lead for you. And then, and then it's your choice whether to go after them harder or not, essentially. So yeah, it's, you're exactly right. The other, the other part, too, that I think is interesting is you'll see in that search category in uh, what they call an asset group, uh, there's a column called asset groups. And if you have, a, for example, five asset groups in your one campaign, your search category is actually going to show you the overlap of that search category in those asset groups. And what this is brilliant is Google is saying, hey, the people that search for this, this let's say, you know, easy to use can opener is mostly related to this asset group of who you're targeting. And now you can reverse engineer Aha, that asset group with those ads that are showing on this network to this audience also has people coming through me on my DSA portion and typing in these keywords. It tells you it tells you where to even look inside of your own campaigns to say, hey, if you're targeting these people, Here's exactly what's going on with them in this asset group versus that asset group. But the overlap is great. So what I mean by this, and this is super, super, super important for everyone to understand this, is the signal is a hard target with expansion. And a signal is what you tell Google who you want to go after. So I tell Google, I'd like to go after people who are in the home goods. That's the, that's the demographic that I'd like to look for is the interest in home goods. And... Google is going to take that signal and say, okay, but, and they say, I, I went after those people and I found all of these other people that are related to this type of product, even if it's not even relevant. And so when you're looking at the overlap within set of performance max, something that is extremely important to know 
is picture a Venn diagram in your mind. And you have one circle, and that one circle is your one signal that you've added into Google. And there's a thousand people in that signal. And that signal is home goods. Now, if I add another signal, which is, let's say, interior decorating, Google says, okay, I've added another signal called interior decorating. And the 1,000 total turned into 1,100 total which means I've added 100 people because the people that are interested in home goods were also people that Google deemed be interested in interior design because those two audience signals are so closely related that those people are also there in that new signal that you added. So you didn't double the size of your audience. You've only increased your audience size by 10% because there is so much overlap. So our job as advertisers is to essentially lift up every nook and cranny and rock in order to add these signals to Google to say, aha, I found five more people there and 10 more people here and 50 more people there. It's not adding it, you know, a thousand plus a thousand plus a thousand. It's slowly growing that audience. So asset group signals, the more you can add that is relevant, the better. Just understand that it's going to take some time to cycle through all those people. But it's, it's a way to think about why do I add these signals? It's overlapping a lot. You're just adding a little bit. Increment John, when you time. add asset group signals, don't you keep Google from expanding on its own? And in some instances, isn't that in our best interest? Because it's like, hey, Google, I'm going to give you a target so you don't go try to find your own and waste my money doing it. Right. It, and think back to your own search campaigns that you possibly have seen or ran before. You don't build out an amazing, beautiful search campaign with one keyword. You just don't. You add in you know, match types and keywords and intent and then long tail and short tail. You, you, you diversify yourself. It's the same thing when adding, when adding asset groups. So what you're doing is trying to make sure that the audience you want to go after is bigger than what your daily budget can afford. And that's your only job. We're currently working on that three-week paradigm before making changes, adding in asset groups, etc. Is that what you're following at the moment rather than adding a new asset group every few days or every week yeah you want to do sprint runs when you make changes if you continually add a new asset group every week your campaign never gets a chance to fully optimize because it's always hey look over here hey look over here you're almost implementing adhd into the campaign and it's just like always <laughs> looking at different areas really quickly so you always you what you want to do is you want to add a whole bunch of changes and then wait because it's going to say okay now I, I, you just added Nick. Where is Nick? Is Nick on search? No. Is Nick on YouTube? Yes. How many clicks did Nick take? He didn't click yet. Well, after four videos, now Nick clicked. Okay, perfect. If that time is testing Nick, you're like, me, Kasim. It's like, oh, okay, cool. Now, where is Kasim? And you're always adding those additional targets and never has a chance to optimize. So you add them and wait. The less you touch performance max, the better. But to Kasim's point about adding in asset groups, when you add in those audiences, you're it's keeping it from going off on its own because you said, here's a million people and here's a hundred dollars a day. And it says, cool, I can go after 10,000 people a day. And now it can't go off on its own because it already has an audience you've given it larger than what it can afford. So it doesn't need to expand on its own. So well diversifying your asset groups is very important to make sure that you're sending Google down the way you want it to go and not, not where it says, okay, I found this person. Now there's no one else. And so it went... And it like just veered off course and then found someone else that's possibly not right. So you want to make sure your your targeting size is more than you can afford. Very Facebook esque type of approach. Yeah, 100%. Hey, it's Ralph here. You know, there's a common problem we hear from agencies and consultants all the time. 
You offer outstanding services to your clients, but you run into technical roadblocks outside of your scope. Well, the truth is, even agencies need agencies. And the good news is, our friends at Outline can tackle all your development, web design, and analytics-related problems. In fact, some huge brands like Mixpanel, Clavio, Segment, and even Active Campaign trust Outline to do incredible work. So if you want to solve your toughest tech problems, head to outlyant.com forward slash PT to schedule a free strategy session with one of Outlyant's founders. Once again, that is Outlyant spelled O-U-T-L-I-A-N-T.com. That's outlyant.com forward slash PT. So we're uh, almost at time now, but let's, let's talk about maybe areas which we've seen, and Nick, maybe specifically to you, where have you seen it not working or the challenges that you faced? And is there a business out there where you say, eh, it, it, you know, stick to Facebook or you know, go over to Snapchat? <laughs> like Performance Max isn't for you. I, I, you know, like where is that? Going? I haven't seen a business or industry specifically yet. But for lead gen, this is a hot topic of, of conversation. See, Performance Max is so powerful that if you tell it to do something, if you say, hey, find me 5,000 people who, who will fill out this form, it will do that. But it will vacuum the internet to find anybody who will fill out that form. And for lead generation, and shout out to Kasim and John here, this is giving credit to them for this tactic, but it's counterintuitive to the old make the forms as easy to fill out as possible. You want to add a lot of friction to those forms, add a lot of required fields. So it has to be a real human filling that out, and they have to put some thought into it. Now, we've run into an issue with one account where this client has this awesome product. It's it's in the construction industry. It's a really disruptive tech product for the, the construction industry. Now, the thing is with them, their forms, they have this amazing set up on their website that's all configured with Salesforce. So it's very difficult for them to just change their landing page forms and add more form fields. And um sorry, that's my dog here. She's I think she has an opinion on this. But anyway, so what we're working on there with them though is implementing offline conversion tracking for lead gen, which can be very effective, but it's also not simple to set up and you have to get developers involved, and you really have to spend a lot of time getting the setup so it's working correctly. But I actually think once we get this set up for for this particular client, that's uh, we're really going to be able to scale more with Performance Max. But that's the closest I've seen where it's 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 been okay. How do we really get this this working? Because we can't just add the extra form fields to the landing page. Right. Right now, it's been like more cowbell more fields pretty much right, right. all the way through. But like, this is a B2B sale. I know this customer and there, there is a complexity to this. So you really do like, we're talking about performance max. It's like, Hey, anybody can do it. And I do recommend Cosm, uh, You said this many times, like you don't need an agency to start running this, but like where the high level thinking starts coming in is the strategy. Let's think this through. Yes. More form fields for that particular customer was the first solution. However, there is an offline element to it. And all of a sudden, like you've got to go through sort of your sequence of events, but thinking through it at a higher level, like how does this user experience this? And 
for us right now, like for tier 11, for example, for like our ads, like we are getting a lot of click farm stuff going in there, but we're also getting a lot of really good leads at the same time. So, but we're figuring it out and, and iterating on it. And thankfully the customer in that particular case, which I guess would be me, understands that it has to be, it, this takes some time. So it's not going to be immediately. I don't want anyone to listen to the show and be like, oh, I switch everything over to Performance Max. And John Moran said three weeks. And why isn't it three weeks? Well, it's not quite that easy. So, but just as some guardrails for this. So, John, sort of like last here, like the lead form issue has been an issue. But is there something specific that you've seen in your experience where Google Performance, Performance Max? isn't working and i know you guys do a lot of local business as well like you know mom and pop stores like that kind of stuff like who is it not for yeah so nick made a great point the lead generation definitely a quick quick pro tip is if you are running lead generation obviously add in as many relevant fields as possible even make a few steps if you can make it hard for these people to convert to click farms are bots they're people and they just will avoid your forms if it looks daunting but one thing that actually also the reason why that happened too is because Google changed their targeting to in frequently and or even interested in, and that's that's the bad move that they that they took. Well, I have seen it help a little bit if you add in a captcha. So if you can add a captcha too as well, that does help. A lot of times those people are banned from filling out forms through Google Captcha, so that, that can help. The other area though, I think that this doesn't really work very well is low average order value when you're trying to identify a. Uh, a good cost required new customer or a good LTV or a good ROAS. There is a lot of advertisers who won't touch a campaign if the average order value is under eight. We don't have that that strict ruling, but if you're talk, selling 10 to $20 products, this doesn't really work well if you're looking to say, hey, I don't have a lot of returning customers and it doesn't really have a good l- lifetime value, but I need a 2X. Well, your cost per click sometimes can be one, two, three dollars in performance max. And unless you have 30% conversion rates, you're never going to hit that goal. And 30% conversion rates is, is near possible. So consistently, I should say. So where this doesn't work, if you're an e-commerce store, try to either A, even increase your price if you're not a not a you know a household name that you're gonna lose your, your entire audience and double your price, but increase your price, add bundles, add uh, upsell opportunities, and make sure that you're really focusing on your email for that LTV of that returning customer is very, very, very important. But average order value being too low. That sets apart where we're taking seven networks and trying to make this work. It's going to get expensive, especially as as we're learning in the first few weeks and few months. So if you are thinking about starting Performance Max, look at your average order value first and think about what just simple math. If a dollar click and ten dollar products, yeah, under ten under twenty percent conversion rate, I don't have a profit left. So just understand that that first for starting performance maxes look at how to increase your average order value right right yeah i mean it goes back to so much about like marketing your yourself online anyway just good you know hygiene to follow always looking for ways to increase your average order value and your ltv and knowing your numbers at the end of the day but uh super good tips here for so basically like what we're talking about here with very few exceptions this is for you, the listener, no matter what your business is, I hate to say it, like, who's your audience? Well, everybody can benefit from this. I think it's at least worth a shot. We do have one customer that it probably wouldn't work for because they're specifically for very, very local areas and local and maps is like kind of where they're going after. And so Performance Max isn't really on the table at this point, but 
hey, that might change over time because that might get sunsetted at, at a certain point in time. It certainly does look like Google is obviously going to be making lots of improvements and changes. And shopping is going away still July 1st. Is that still the timeline, you guys? Like, what? July, yeah, July 1st through July 31st. You're every day, there's going to be hundreds or even thousands of, of advertisers out there on, on Google that their smart shopping campaign is going to be automatically upgraded for them to performance max. And it's actually really dangerous because it doesn't use any signals and it doesn't. And it basically, if you have a listing group, it's just adding all of your products in that. So it almost resets. It says, hey, now all of your products are advertising to anybody Google deems relevant. Right. And, and yeah, there's going to be a go, massive upset. It'll go and start <laughs> looking for those audience signals if it doesn't have one assigned tremendous well good things to know here as we as we conclude but no so great to have you guys on the show here today where it's I, my sus- suspicions cosm is that this will not be the last time we have these guys on perpetual traffic but this has been super amazing and to be able to report back on even more successes and learnings for performance max um yeah stay tuned and keep listening to perpetual traffic here on behalf of my awesome co-host Qasim Aslam, peace. Until next show, see ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic, 